Well, welcome to worship this morning. I invite you to stand if you'd like to, and let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, I thank you for this day that you've given us. Uh, thank you for uh, the rain that uh, many have received and uh, has watered the ground over the past couple days. God, uh, just be with us this morning, uh, be in this place, and God, help us to focus on you in worship this morning um, as we uh, read your word and hear your word. God, just draw us close to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Conquered the grave, you 
Manna on the ground, no matter where I go. And I don't need to worry now that I know that everything I need you got. There's honey in the rock, purpose in your plan, power in the blood, healing in your hands. Started flowing when you said it is done. Jesus, who you are is enough. There's honey in the rock. 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 Oh, how sweet, how sweet it is to trust in you, Jesus. Oh, how sweet. How sweet it is to trust in you, Jesus. Oh, how sweet, how sweet it is to trust in you, Jesus. This storm's getting ready to roll And I feel a faith that is starting to rise And I see a world on the edge of revival I think it's only a matter of time To do what only you can do Move what only you the impossible is possible for you. And I see a grave that is hollow power. see a battle that's already won. I see a church on the verge of revival. I see your kingdom has already come. So do what only you can do. Do what only you can do. Even the impossible is possible for you. Chains come loose. You can tell the mountains move. Even the impossible is possible for you. Even the impossible is possible for you. You said it. I see it. You still do miracles. There's power. In Jesus' name, all darkness defeated, there's nothing stopping you, my God. There's nothing stopping you, you 
darkness falls it won't prevail cause I know Belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see 
like to affirm God's goodness with me. God is good? All the time? All the time? Good. Well, glad you're here today that you've chosen to be with us here in worship. I know God has a word for you to challenge you, to encourage you, to draw you close to Him today. Uh, let's uh, ask God to speak to His word, and then we're going to look into uh, the book of Ezekiel this morning. So let's pray. Father, speak to our hearts through the reading and preaching of, our, of your word. Lord, speak through me. Lord, just make your word clear and powerful to us. Lord, encourage us and challenge us. And Lord, just do, do a mighty work in our hearts and in this church family. And we pray this in the strong name of Jesus and God's people agreed. Amen. Uh, uh, we're we're going to be in the book of Ezekiel chapter 37 today. Uh, Ezekiel is uh, just kind of a, 
uh, a very unique book. You know, so it's full of visions and uh, some of the visions are spectacular and some of them are just plain strange. But in the midst of all of it, God is working supernaturally, miraculously to, to do what only God can do. And uh, I, th- I think uh, as I look at Ezekiel uh, chapter 37 and then the first couple chapters are the most are the most famous ones. Uh, some of the prophets are are challenging reading, but God has a great message for us from for, from these verses today. So if you'd stand with me, we'll honor the Lord by reading his word. We're going to be in Ezekiel 37 and we'll look at the first 14 verses. And so Ezekiel is speaking in these uh, in this passage as God's prophet. And he's a prophet in in the hard times, a prophet that has to encourage and challenge and uplift his people. So, so verse one, the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. Uh, the Lord asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Uh, Then the Lord said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you'll come to life. I'll attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will breathe in you and you'll come to life. Then you'll know that I'm the Lord. So, I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then the Lord said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. O my people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I'll bring you back to the land of Israel. Then my people, you will will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put the spirit in you and you will live and I'll settle in your land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it declares the Lord. Uh, this is the word of the Lord. Uh, please be seated. Yeah, yeah we, have a, we have a great passage to, to look at this morning. Uh, about a year ago, our president uh, declared that the, the pandemic is over. And thank God the pandemic is over, but you know, we still feel the squeeze of the pandemic as Americans in many ways. You know, you know inflation has slowed way down, but you know, prices are up 18% over the past two years. Just, you know, just out and driving over the past few weeks, it seems like, you know, gas has, has risen about uh, 40 cents over the past few weeks. Uh, and, you know, 
going to Sam's or Costco or to the grocery store, sometimes you, we see sticker shock. I, you know, I picked up dog treats. I've been picking up the same treats for years. I've been paying $10 a box. I needed a new box this week. They're, they're $15 a box, you know, 50% in, increase. And, and there, there's so many other ways we, we feel the, the squeeze of the pandemic. Could be, uh, you know, emotionally, we might feel more anxious or America seems a bit more conflicted. Uh, some people have lost jobs. You know, some, some are struggling financially. You know, some of us have lost loved ones. Uh, some people are, are dealing with health problems still. Yeah, I, every time I turn on the news, it seems uh, that, that they say students are behind in their learning, especially the, you know, the states that closed down for a year or more. Um, but America is the greatest country in the world. Uh, we're resilient. I've got great hope for our country. And churches all over America have, have been squeezed by the pandemic, too. They've been changed by the pandemic. Some of the changes have been blessings. Some, some of the changes have been challenges. You know, most churches in America are, are down about 20% in, in attendance and 20% in giving since the pandemic. And we've, we've especially seen, you know, losses in, in younger people. You know, younger families, families that have, that have kids and have teenagers. It, and this has happened, you know, all over our nation. And on the positive side, the, the pandemic has done good things for churches. Uh, the pandemic's forced churches to, to take a, you know, just a, a deep look at everything we do as a church. You know, God's giving us an opportunity to do church in, in better ways, in healthier ways. The, the pandemic's, you know, forced us to, to focus on ministry rather than just meetings for the sake of meetings. You know, God's giving us an opportunity to, to set some things aside that just don't work that well anymore, and then to, to focus on God's mission for the church. And I see God giving us a, a healthy, renewed commitment to, to share the gospel, to, to reach people for Jesus, and then help them grow in their relationship with Jesus. Uh, another real healthy thing I see is, uh, you know, God's giving us a, a renewed commitment to, to invest in younger people, to invest in, in younger leaders, to grow them up and to share leadership with them. And God loves us. God wants to bless us. You know, God wants to, to bless this church in, in amazing ways, and, and we can look to God as we, we move into the present future, and God will give us hope, and God will give us direction, and God will give us His blessings. As we look at Ezekiel 37 today, we see God giving us a, a message of hope, whether we look into our lives individually or, or look at our families or, or look at our church, uh, you know, God gives us a message of hope, hope, hope for the future, um, hope for God to breathe new life into us, hope, hope for God to energize us, hope for a comeback. And this morning as we, we look at the, the passage, um, I want to look at three points this morning. All of them are, are based on the verses within the Scripture text, and we want to see how it applies to our life today. And so, uh, first off, we see to, to experience new life, uh, we must desperately seek God, and, and not just seek God casually, but we must desperately seek God to, to do what only God can do in our lives, to do what only God can do in our families, to, to do what only God can do in our church. We want to desperately seek God. And first, first one's a reminder, uh, the hand of the Lord is upon us. You know, when, when we walk through, through difficult times, you know, sometimes we, we ask ourselves, 
you know, where's God in the midst of this mess? <laughs> you know, where, where, where's God when I'm struggling so much? You know, where, where's God? We know God's with us, but sometimes we're, it's like as if we're having some difficulty getting in touch with the presence of God or the voice of God. And we've got to understand by, in times of challenge, you know, God never leaves us. God is always with us. When we can't feel the presence of God, we, we know God is with us by faith. God's always with us. And so, verse 1 also says that, you know, the Spirit of the Lord is with us. And, and in this passage, the Spirit of the Lord is inviting you and me to open up the eyes of our imagination and, and watch God raise the dead. And so, would you, you know, for the next several minutes, would you picture this scene in your mind with me? You know, God's leading us to, to stand in the middle of a valley. It, it's the valley of the dead. We, we also know this, this valley as the, the valley of dry bones. And as we're standing in the midst of this, uh, this valley of dry bones, there, there are dry bones under our feet. It's like we can't take a step in any direction without stepping on these dry bones. And, and God's, you know, telling us to walk all over the valley with Him. And the dry bones um, are dead bones. And they originally represented the, the people of Israel, God's Old Testament people, who were nearly wiped out by the Babylonians in, in a series of, of battles in, this, in the 6th century BC. And as we look at the passage today, we see that, you know, God's Word in this passage, it, it applies to, to you and me today. And so, let's, let's hear what God has to say to us. And as we, as we walk around the valley of dry bones in our imagination, you know, picture the bones. They're, they're dry, they're broken, they're, they're scattered all over this gigantic valley. And above all, the, the bones are absent of, of all signs of life. Uh, it's clear they're dead. They've been, they've been dead for decades. And as we apply the passage to our lives today, the, the dry bones represent spiritually dry people. Dry people who seem, you know, well beyond their best days. And let's use the, the valley of dry bones to, to picture us today as God's people. Uh, whether we're, we're having challenges in our own lives or in our families, or, or to picture us as God's people who make up His church now that the pandemic's been over for about a year. And many of us, if, if we take an honest, deep look into our souls, you know, many of us may feel dry spiritually. Uh, we may feel worn out. We may feel discouraged. We... we we often have a sense of uncertainty. You know, when, when is life going to be totally back to normal? When, when is God going to move in great ways? And when we feel this, you know, spiritual dryness, when we feel worn out spiritually, uh, God can feel distant and God can feel quiet. <laughs> Even though God's with us, He can feel distant and quiet. God, God can feel distant when we're, when we're worn out, when we're discouraged. And even though God, God may feel that way, you know, God's closer to us than He's ever been. God's, God's with us. It's, it's our feelings that we're struggling with, uh, not our faith. And so, in times in which we feel worn out and discouraged, you know, we've got we've to sense the presence of God and hear the Word of God with, you know, with, with faith in our hearts rather than relying on our emotions. You know, serving God and serving God's church, at, at times, it's a lot of hard work but God gives us strength. We get discouraged, and God is always there to encourage us. Some days we might think about, you know, quitting. It's not all worth it, but God assures us, you're right where I want you to be. I'm working in your life. I'm, I'm working where you're serving me. 
And God's with us and God gives us hope. He has a future for us. The the past three years, I've noticed when I talk to church leaders, whether they're, you know, pastors on a church staff or, or, you know, volunteers in the church, I see a lot of church leaders, you know, wrestling with, with a sense of fear and anxiety, not knowing what the future holds. And, and we, can, we can worry about the future. We, we can worry, well, will we have enough people? What, what, what does the future hold for our lives? What does the future hold for our church? We, we can worry, will, will we have enough money? And we have a choice when, we, when we're worried and concerned. We have a choice to, do we choose fear over faith or do we choose faith over fear? You know, God allows these situations in our lives. God allows these situations in our church. Uh, they're an opportunity to, to serve Him. They're an opportunity to respond with faith. So we must choose faith over fear. Uh, God will add people uh, to the church when we pray, when we share our faith, when we invite them. You know, God will provide all the, the finances we need as we pray, as we trust in Him, as we give generously. But if we choose faith over fear when it comes to our future or our finances, you know, we end up limiting what God can do. You know, Jesus went back to his hometown, and and the the Gospels tell us that, you know, the miracles of Jesus were very limited in that area because the people lacked faith. And if we we choose fear over faith, we, we end up limiting what God can do in our midst. But when we choose faith over fear, you know, we give God plenty of room to work in our hearts, in our lives, in our church. Um, when I pastored uh, First Baptist Church in Shawnee, we're, we were a church that, you know, had challenges for, you know, for decades, probably for 40 years. And they were often really pressed financially. And, you know, one year we were really pressed financially. Our, uh, we were like $100,000 down in in our, in our budget for what we would do that year, and our giving for what we would do that year. We, we began to step out in faith. We began to desperately pray, desperately seek God. And, you know, one day I, I opened up a letter in the mail, and it was a letter from a lawyer in another part of Oklahoma saying that, you know, we'd be receiving a check for $108,000 from a person that I'd never met who'd gone to the church decades ago, who'd, who'd moved and was, you know, more than a thousand miles away, but God laid it on her heart and her husband's heart, who is now with the Lord, and she had just died and been with the, gone to the Lord uh, to leave the church $108,000. And those needs that looked <laughs> unattainable that year were all of a sudden met with this, with this wonderful gift. And we, when we chose, you know, faith over fear, God began to meet those needs. I, I remember years ago when I, I pastored in Central Texas, and, you know, Connie and I, when we went to the church, the church had, had split a couple of times, and our, our son, who's now 30, was just one year old. We, we were the youngest people in the, in the church. I, I, asked the, uh, I asked our director of missions, I said, you know, tell me about the church. And he says, the church looks like a ski slope. I said, what on earth do you mean? He says, when I'm preaching, all I can see is white out there. Yeah, because of all the gray hair. And so, you know, God brought us to a church like that. And in the six years I was there, uh, I did 90, I preached 90 funerals in the church. We were an older church, uh, but, but there was, but God kept gradually bringing people in. You know, when situations looked hopeless, God gradually brought people in. You know, Connie and I started a Sunday school class of younger couples. We were the only ones there some weeks. Then we added another couple, then another. And then, you know, we were, 
you know, we were, we were about 40 people younger. You know, our son for six months, uh, I was the only person in the nursery. But over time, we began to fill up the nurseries and fill up the classrooms and, and add younger people. And one of the challenges we, we had in that church was we were just in a really bad part of town um, so that, you know, while we were in church, sometimes people came, you know, came through the parking lots and, and, and broke out the windows of cars. One, one day I, uh, you know, I parked my car in a, on a Monday morning to go into the church office and a kid came by on, on rollerblades with a ball bat and punched out both of my taillights right in front of me and then went rolling on with his taillights. Uh, I mean, rolling on in his rollerblades after he broke out my taillights. And, and I found, because we're in that, in that bad area, um, yeah, people didn't want to come to the church. Growth was hard. Growth was slow. It was still coming gradually. But, you know, we began to dream a new dream, and God began to give us a fresh vision. It wasn't for every church, but it was for this church. You know, we began to dream a new dream of being in a, in a better place that was easier for growth. And, and God provided uh, $100,000 for the church to, uh, to purchase 10 acres of land um, on a new street where there were no houses. You could stand on, that, on that, that empty lot of 10 acres and there were no homes to be seen. But still, we, we prayed and we believed that God would want us there. And, you know, Things didn't happen right away as we began to, to, to talk about, you know, a new dream, a new church building, and, and raising all the money in it. And, and our, our group of our lay leaders, uh, when we started to raise money, it, it just tanked. And, and I asked a group of our lay leaders, uh, you know, I brought one of the deacons aside, and I said, he was old enough to be my dad, and I said, Jim, what's going on? We've got this big dream, God's given us this vision, but it's, everything seems to be tanking. And he says, well, we've decided behind the scenes that we can't do it. <laughs> we don't have enough people. We don't have enough money. It's just not going to happen. You know, that fear over faith was killing the dream. And so things just kind of lay dormant for a, for a couple of years th then. And then a letter came in the mail, kind of like it did at First Baptist Shawnee. And the letter came in the mail when I was pastoring. A letter came in the mail in Temple. Uh, in the Temple, Texas, and a lady, a, a single lady who'd been a school teacher her whole career, never married. Um, she lived frugally. She saved. Uh, she invested well. And she hadn't been in the church in more than 60 years. She died. She left half her money to the church, half her money to the Southern Baptist School that was 10 minutes away. And it ended up being about a million dollars for each. And the church the church began to say, we can do it, God can do it. We can't do it in an, on our own, but we can do it with God's help. And over the, over the next few years, lots of little gifts and a few big gifts became $5.4 million. And the church built this wonderful facility with zero debt. And now as I, as I, as I you know, I look at Google Earth at Temple, Texas, that that place where there were zero houses, where you could stand in that lot and you couldn't see, there are literally hundreds, if not thousands of houses all around the church. You, you can't see an empty space because there are no empty lots. There are just homes surrounding the church. And so the, the church got all this wonderful opportunity to reach people with the gospel and God's brought lots of people in because the uh, the church had fears, the church had faith, and, and God worked in miraculous ways. And, and God, what God could do in Temple, Texas, God can do here. <laughs> what God did with, 
with just regular Christian people who sometimes had lots of faith and sometimes struggled with, with fear. You know, God can do in our lives too. God can do the miraculous. You know, God said to, Israel, to Ezekiel, look here, verse 3. God asked Ezekiel, can these bones live? Have you been in an impossible situation and say, can it happen? Can I do it? Can, can we make it? We, we've not been in situations probably as, as big as this valley full of dead bones, and God asks us, can these bones live? You know, can, can we have new opportunities? Can we have new life? Can God provide for us financially? Can, can God give the, the right pastor at the right time? You would have to answer all these questions, yes, 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 and yes. Um, even if we, we feel worn out, God's not finished with any person yet. You know, God's, God's working every time I, you know, I, I walk into the church buildings. I see God working. I see new faces every week, new people every week. I, I see people who are, who are planning on joining the church, who are guests coming back week after week. I, I just see God working in our midst. I, I see more children. I see more teenagers. I see, see more people. I, I see God at work. You know, when, when God asks Ezekiel, you know, can these bones be, be resurrected to new life? His, his answer is, God, you alone know. <laughs> we don't know the answers, but God knows the answers. God alone knows. You know, in Ezekiel, when he answers God, you know, his answer doesn't seem to be full of faith. He's trusting God, but he doesn't know what God's going to do. So he says, God, you alone know. And Ezekiel's answer shows us that, you know, in, we in and of ourselves can be very helpless in, in difficult situations. And we need God to act. We need God to do what only God can do. And, you know, God's more powerful than, than any challenge we face. God's more powerful than any, you know, financial issue we face. God's more, more powerful than any health issue we face. Whatever our issues is, God's more than powerful enough to handle them. So, you know, a valley full of thousands, probably tens of thousands of, uh, of dead people, their, their bones lie, lying broken and brittle on the ground, God asked Ezekiel, can, can these bones be resurrected to new life? You know, I, if I was Ezekiel, I'd probably be thinking, no, I don't think so, Lord. <laughs> that, you know, that, that's our human nature. Um, but absolutely, uh, through the power of God, God can do all things. You know, all of us want to see people coming to Christ regularly, being baptized regularly, becoming part of the church regularly. You know, all of us want to see... Uh, you know, the church brimmed with, full to the brim with, uh, with kids and teenagers and single people and married people and young people and middle-aged people and older people. We, we, we want to see this church and in every church, you know, booming and busting to the scenes with people. And, and I know God wants this church to have an amazing future. And lots of times we, we you know, we brainstorm in our own mind, you know, what will it take? You know, we, sometimes we say, well, let's just go back to the old days, or let's look for that, just that, that perfect idea that will take care of all things, or look for, let's look for that, that magic bullet pastor who'll, who'll make all things right, who'll make a church grow. And many times we, we're looking for human solutions to, to supernatural uh, problems. And what, what we ultimately need is Holy Spirit solutions. 
You know, we need the, the blessings that only God can give. You know, we need God to do what only God can do. So many times we, we look at things, what can, what can we do in our own strength? Rather, what can God do through us? And, and if we could do all these spiritual things alone, we ultimately wouldn't need God. You know, if we could share our faith and miraculously turn somebody to, to faith in Christ in and of ourselves, we wouldn't need God. Uh, you know, if we could, you know, God, grow God's church in and of ourselves with our own power, we wouldn't need God. But, but human power and human solutions in and of themselves, you know, don't work when we're, in, when we're working in spiritual realms. We, we need God to do what only God can do. We, we need God's Holy Spirit to lead us in ways that only the Holy Spirit can lead us. And when, when we look for answers, it's, it's something beyond our, our, our own bright, wonderful ideas. Um, we want to seek God in prayer. We, we want to seek God in in Scripture. We, we want to look, you know, like we're doing on Wednesday nights, we want to look at the book of Acts and see what God was doing in the New Testament churches because they started out with 12 that became 120 that ended up, you know, changing the world. And God knows the answers and God wants to reveal them to us. And, and we'll find the answers through prayer. We'll, we'll find the answers through Scripture. And let's move to the, to the next point. To, to experience new life, we, we must pray fervently for God to do what only God can do. And look at verses 4 to 6 with me again. You know, God said to Ezekiel, you know, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And this is what the sovereign Lord says. And I, and I, and I, I like it when Scripture talks about the sovereign Lord. And the sovereign Lord is the, the almighty God who can do whatever he wants to do and can, can do all things. So this is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I'll make breath enter you and you'll come to life. I'll attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I'll put breath in you and you'll come to life. Then you'll know that I'm the Lord. You know, God raised the, the nation Israel, the people of Israel from the dead, just as, as Ezekiel pictures for us. And think about Jesus. He's, he's our Lord. He's our Savior. Jesus raised the, the, the widow of Nain's son from the dead. Jesus raised uh, the synagogue leader, Jairus's daughter from the dead. Jesus raised his, his friend, Lazarus, from the dead after he'd been you know, dead, decaying in a, in, in a tomb for four days. And then God raised Jesus from the dead, you know, three days after he'd been crucified. You know, we, we have a God who specializes in raising the dead. <laughs> we, we've got a God who specializes in doing miracles in our lives, miracles in our families, miracles in our church. So, so can, can God raise us to new life? You betcha. <laughs> can God fill us with his spirit? Yes. Can, can God re-energize us? Yes, he can. Can, you know, can God, you know, fill this church and, and any church to the brim with, with people of all ages? Yes, he can. You know, can God meet every financial problem? Yes, he can. You know, challenges we face are opportunities for God to work. And, and as I look at, you know, Christians uh, throughout the world, and uh, I don't know enough um, but as, as I look at Christians throughout the world, I, I, I see, you know, I see Christians in different parts of the world and in third world countries where Christians are 
in churches, they're, they're super desperate. They're, they're super needy. They're, they're filled with all sorts of problems and challenges. And I, I, I was sitting in a, in, a, in, a, uh, in a Billy Graham type of meeting uh, with a ministry up in St. Louis, and, and I, met this, uh, I met this missionary who's back and forth to the U.S. and to, to Africa. And as I was talking to him about what God's doing in his ministry in Africa, he told me, he says, you know, people are healed from diseases like they are in the Bible. Uh, God, God's casting out demons from people's lives like, like it's happening in the Bible. God's causing paralyzed people to walk like we see in the Bible, but we don't tend to see in, the, in our culture. And, and, I, and I asked this missionary, why aren't, we, why aren't we seeing that kind of thing here in America? And, and his answer to me was, we're not desperate enough for God. <laughs> we, we don't have a big enough faith in God. I, I think as Americans, it's, it's, it's easy to be comfortable. <laughs> it's easy to, to think, we're, you know, we're self-sufficient. It's easy to think we've got all the ideas. It, it, it's part of being an American. You know, we, we pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We've got that, you know, what they call the Protestant work ethic. We, we work hard. But I think sometimes this, this works against our, our Christian life when we think we're, we're, we're self-sufficient. You know, we try to do spiritual things in our own human effort rather than by the power of the mighty God. And, and when we do that, we can end up resisting change. We can end up, uh, you know, longing for things the way they used to be. We, and ultimately, we try to stay in control rather than give up control to God. And, and what, what we... What God is telling us here is we need to be willing to step out in faith. We need to choose faith over fear. We, we need to seek a, a fresh outpouring of God's Spirit upon us. Ezekiel preached to the bones and, and he said, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. What, have you ever thought about talking to a bunch of dead bones? That sounds crazy, doesn't it? especially, uh, you know, preaching to the bones. I've sometimes preached in congregations and I felt like I was preaching to a bunch of statues. You know, I've been in that, in that situation before. Um, but, you know, Ezekiel's told to, to preach to a bunch of, of skeletons. Um, but he says, preach to the bones. Uh, you know, when we, pr- when we pray, you know, we have an opportunity to hear the word of the Lord. Because, you know, Ezekiel preached, you know, hear the word of the Lord, dry bones. When, when we pray, if we feel like we're dry, if we're needy, if we're desperate for God, God has a way of speaking to us. Uh, God will speak through the scriptures as we read his word. God will speak through prayer as we have the listening side of prayer. God will speak through times of worship as we gather together. God will speak through times of Bible study as we gather and study his word. And as we you know, we look at the, the first churches in Acts, I, you know, I especially like the, the church at Antioch. You know, we read about the church at Antioch in, in Acts 13 and 14, and the church at Antioch was, was the first church that was really filled with Gentiles rather than with Jews who'd come to faith in Christ. And they were the, the first church where people were called Christians, in other words, followers of Christ. And there, there was something special about this church. They weren't people who had come from generations of, of church members and generations of Christians. They were people that came out of, you know, 
totally spiritually lost pagan backgrounds and had found faith in Jesus when Jews who had come to Christ shared the gospel with them. And, the, and this, this group of Gentile Christians, God began to, to work in their midst in, in ways that seem unbelievable to us. And, and what, I, what I see in this church is the Antioch church was, they were a church that prayed and they prayed in desperation. And when they prayed, they wanted God to work so much, they, they added fasting to their prayers. And they heard God speak. They, 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 they wanted leaders in the church. And as they prayed for leaders, they added fasting to their prayers and God directed them to, to the leaders, to the elders of the church. They, they believed that God was going to lead them to do missions. You know, we read about the three missionary journeys in Acts. And the, the missionary journeys, they, they didn't grow out of a committee meeting. They didn't grow out of a business meeting. The, the missionary journeys grew out of a prayer meeting. You know, appointing Paul and Barnabas to lead, to lead these three great mission journeys, that, that all grew out of a prayer meeting. You know, when, when God's people pray and pray in desperation and pray in faith and pray leaning on God, God has a way of showing up. God has a way of speaking. God has a, has a way of working. And so, would, would you join me in prayer? Would you, would you pray for, for God to speak to us? Uh, would you pray that God would speak through prayer and through the scriptures? Would you, would you pray with me that God would do what only God can do? Uh, would you pray that, that God would, you know, would breathe fresh life into us? That he'd breathe you know, his breath into us? Uh, would you consider you know, at times adding a, a day of fasting to your prayer because it has a way of focusing our prayers on God and our desperation to God. And one more point is before we go home. To, to experience new life, uh, we must radically obey God. You know, God tells Ezekiel what to do, and Ezekiel does what God calls him to do, even when it doesn't make any human sense. Preach to the bones. It doesn't make any human sense, but Ezekiel does it. Now, now, as Ezekiel preaches to, preaches to the bones, we see God acts. Uh, uh, all of a sudden, uh, ligaments and tendons attached to the bones, and then there's flesh and muscle on the bones, and skin covers the bones. The bones come together and, and form people once again. And as Ezekiel you know, looks, looks at the valley, the, the valley's full of people, but the corpses are all, they're all corpses. They're all dead bodies. And so God tells Ezekiel what to do again, and this time it's preach to the breath. And it's as if Ezekiel's preaching to the four winds, the winds north, south, east, and west, come and breathe life into these bodies. And as he preaches to the breath, you know, God fills these lifeless bodies with, with new life, and they become a gigantic army. You know, if, if, if you're like me, you know, at times we really need a a fresh breath of God's Holy Spirit to, to breathe deeply into us, <laughs> to give us, you know, fresh faith, fresh enthusiasm, fresh energy. You know, we need the fullness of God's Spirit. We need new life, new hope, new strength. We, we need God's encouragement. We need His guidance. We, we, we need to be full of faith for God to do what only He can do. You know, you know God gave life to these dead corpses as God breathed into them. But you see, God didn't do it alone. You know, God chose Ezekiel to, to preach to the bones and preach to the breath. God could have done it all alone without any person. But God doesn't tend to work that way. God chose Ezekiel. 
he gave him this extraordinary job and Ezekiel obeyed God when it didn't make sense. You know, God resurrected a, a vast army. And, and when we serve God, you know, as individual believers, as families, as, as a church, you know, God never goes at his work alone. He, he calls us. He chooses us. He lays his hand on us. He puts his spirit in us because God chooses to do his work through you and me. And if we don't join God in his work, either the work doesn't get done or God finds somebody else who'll join him in his work, God always chooses to work through his people. And I love what Paul says in one of his letters. He talks about Christians who are, who are serving him as, as God's fellow workers. Somehow, somehow we, we, we join God hand in hand as we join one another hand in hand to, to do his work to build his church. God did the miracle because Ezekiel obeyed God. He stepped out in faith when life didn't make sense. A few years ago, David Platt, who who was our uh, International Mission Board Executive Director, he wrote a book, and it was a video series, and he challenged us to, to get radical for God, to get out of our comfort zones and get radical to God. And we need this radical commitment to obeying God, a radical commitment to prayer, a a radical commitment to following Christ, a a radical commitment to God's church, a radical commitment to sharing our faith. God resurrected the the people of Israel to new life. And before he did it, they were beaten down. And they wondered, has God left us? Has God abandoned us? And if you look at verse 11... The people, and and this is, you know, after God's done all of his work, you know, there's a little flashback. And the people have this hopeless, helpless, negative pessimism. And they they tell God, our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone. We're cut off. Um, You know, they're they're looking at fear over faith. When we feel beat down, God is ready to lift us up. When we feel all is hopeless, God gives us a fresh hope. When we feel too exhausted to do anything, God's ready to, to breathe new life into us. When, when our situation seems impossible, God's ready to act. You know, it's an opportunity for God to do what only God can do. And, and so, uh, can, can I ask you as, as a church family, um, would, would you join me in, in desperately seeking God's blessings for our lives, our families, our church? Uh, would, would you join me in praying passionately in your individual prayers and, and when you come together as a church on Wednesday? And would, would you consider getting radical in our, in our commitment to God? Get, getting radical and being willing to step out in faith with our Lord. The splendor of the King, clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, in darkness tries to hide, but trembles at his voice. Trembles at his voice. How great his 
Let's our God sing with me how great is our God and all will see how great how great is our God and age to age I stand and time is in his hands beginning and the end beginning and the end the Godhead free Thank you. 